You are now listening to The Nosebleeds with your hosts, Corey Johnson and Kush Parikh. Be sure to check us out weekly on Tuesdays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with the podcast on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds on Instagram at the nosebleeds and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the nosebleeds. Face all your fears, drink it at me. There's so many donuts on them back streets. Sit so high in the nosebleeds. Feel like I can fly. Yo, what is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Nosebleeds Podcast. That's K-N-O-W-S Bleeds. It's your boy. You already know it's your boy, Kush, and I'm here with my co-host, as always, Corey Johnson. Corey in the house. Mr. Corey Johnson. How are you doing, my guy? A little tired, but you know what it is, man. Everybody's tired right now. It's that grind. Playoffs are here in the in baseball. NBA season getting ready to tip off, and you already know NFL's in full, full swing, so... It's a lot going on. Everybody's just trying to get through it. Uh, years coming to an end, wrapping up, but, you know, just got to power through it, stay strong, and, you know, trying to finish this year out as best you possibly can, get set for 2022. Yeah, we got a lot of sports going on right now. It's normally around this October time that everything's just clashing together. You got football, baseball, basketball, hockey, everything's going on at once. So let's start off with baseball because they are in postseason right now uh championship series are about to start let's give a quick recap about the al and nl wild card and the divisional series and how we got to the championship series so in the al wild card the red sox beat the yankees six to two garrett cole got absolutely lit up by the red sox and in the national league wild card the dodgers beat the cardinals three to one with a chris taylor walk-off home run And then moving on to the divisional series, we have the ALDS, the Astros beating the White Sox three to one in the series and the Red Sox beating the Rays three to one. The Red Sox having a couple late game heroics in the last two games to win the series and the Astros just straight up dominating the White Sox. Then you have the National League divisional series. Braves beat the Brewers 3-1. Braves making some noise. And the Dodgers beat the Giants 3-2. By far the best series. Could even be the best series the entire postseason. Hopefully not. Hopefully we got a little better one. And it came down to a controversial call in that game five, that check swing. So it was interesting. But now that has set up the championship series. We have the ALCS. We got the Red Sox versus Astros and the NLCS, the Dodgers versus Braves. Let's start off in the AL. We got the Red Sox, Astros. Corey, who's winning and how many games you got them winning in? Um, Once again, it's both these two teams going at each other um, in the postseason in the ALCS. Uh, Last time that these two teams met up, the Red Sox got the better of them. And I think it was more so because of the fact that they just, I think, had it better combination of both hitting and uh, pitching. And plus also Alex Cora probably <laughs> knew <laughs> he probably knew what was going on maybe with the, with the trash cans, who knows? But um, I personally think that uh, whichever team like out of these two wins uh, this series, then they're going to have a tough time of it uh, going up against either the, the Dodgers or the Braves, but especially the Dodgers. But I think that, I I think people probably want the Red Sox. The people want the Red Sox uh, probably win than the Astros, but I just think that the Astros 
uh, I thought last year would have been interesting if they would have been able to, you know, got into the World Series and see how like everybody would have been, you know, uh, how how everybody would have reacted to it. And I think that they are going to get back to the World Series this year because I feel like they're going to, you know, take care of home field. I think that they're a strong team. They still got the nucleus, still got their core. And as much as everybody hates to say it, they are a good team. Trash cans or no trash cans. That's why I was just so baffling, I think, with the whole situation. But I think that the Astros uh, are going to take care of business. They're going to do what they need to do as long as the pitching doesn't, like, have stretches where they just completely run into trouble and they have to utilize their bullpen way too much. I think that they're going to give the Red Sox a really tough time of it. And I think they just have a little bit more – a little bit more as far as a championship nucleus. Remember the Red Sox, a lot of their team that was there as far as the 2018 team that won the World Series, a lot of those guys aren't there. That was a big part of that. But there are still some guys that are, are there as far as, um, you know, uh, Chris Sale. But I think that, like I said, the Astros, <clears throat> they just got a little bit, more than the Red Sox. So I got them winning in uh, seven games. I think this is the matchup of which team will cheat more and prevail. <laughs> but, uh, I, I, yeah, like you said, this is a really tough series to predict. But And especially now that you're going to the Astros, I'm going to have to go with the Red Sox. I had the White Sox making the, the World Series in my preseason prediction, so I'll go with the Red Sox. Um, but – Pitching is going to be a huge thing for the Astros and Lance McCullough. He's going to be out this series, which is a huge, huge blow. And then Raphael Devers, he was injured to start the postseason. But, boy, he looks like he has the best swing in baseball right now. He is looking really good right now. And I think the Red Sox, their bullpen was pretty good that last series. So I think I think the Red Sox could pull this off. And I think I'm going to have to say the Red Sox in seven games. Moving on to the NLCS, we got the Dodgers versus the Braves. Corey, who's winning it in how many games? You see, it's interesting because I heard some people saying that uh, the Braves were probably rooting for the Giants to beat the Dodgers just because of what happened uh, last season when they blew that 3-1 lead. But personally, if I was the Braves, I would have been rooting for the Dodgers to win because you want to see those guys again. You want to see that team again. You want to rewrite the script. And you kind of want to show everybody that even though they don't have Ronald Acuna Jr., which, man, if he was there, man, that would make this team even that much better. And I think that they would have a better shot. But I just think that the Dodgers, man, they're the, the thing with the Dodgers is, is that the way you beat this team is you obviously have to force them in a situation where they're not getting anybody on base. If they get people on base, then they, they become that much dangerous. And I think the Giants kind of saw that in the NL in the NLDS. But with the Braves, they do have the pitching capabilities to be able to frustrate the Dodgers because I think when game five was pretty much Mookie Betts uh, that was pretty much carrying the load. Four for four. <laughs> four for four. And a stolen game. base, which gave them the, <laughs> their first run. Exactly. So, I mean, like, Mookie, I think, is again going to have to be that guy that – is getting on base and kind of setting the the table up for the rest of the lineup, because when he gets on base, he can pretty much allow the rest of the guys to either bat him over, or he can has the potential to steal. And that sort of generation of offense, you know, we, we don't really see a whole lot of that, which, you know, I, I wish we'd see that more as far as like, you know, doing the small things, bunning guys over, you know, trying to get guys on, 
and doing whatever it takes to get a run. So I, I, and look, everybody loves home runs. Everybody loves home runs. But the Dodgers are going to have to play real scrappy if they want to get back to the World Series. And they're going to have to literally claw, scrape, and do whatever it takes. I got them winning this series in six games. But I would not be surprised if the Braves shock everybody and book their ticket to the World Series. I got to ride with my preseason prediction and go with the Braves. Uh, had them going to the World Series in the National League. You did. Um, you did. And that was well, before. That was obviously before Ronald Acuna Jr. Went yeah. Down. Well, I mean, win or lose at all this series or whatever, Braves lost Acuna. They lost Ozuna and they lost Mike Soroka as well, too. Those are three huge players for this team. And they're still in the NLCS. So, I mean, it's it's insane to see what the Braves have been doing this season. But I, I, it, this is also another tough, tough series. Um, but the way the Atlanta's infielders have been hitting this entire season and their pitching is starting to click at the right time. And we all know, we saw with the National a couple of years ago that when the pitching starts to click, that's all you really need uh, to propel yourself to win a World Series. So, I'm going to have to go with the Braves in seven. It's very tough. I know I'm going to get a lot of hate from Dodger fans for sure. But uh, even the Dodgers lost a couple of people. Max Muncy is a huge blow. Kershaw is a huge blow as well, too. So both teams uh, playing injured. And uh, But I, I ultimately got to stick with my preseason prediction. I got to go with the Braves in seven. Moving on, let's move on to the NFL. We got NFL week six news. Big, big, big one is John Gruden resigning after, you know, inappropriate unprofessional emails were resurfaced uh, that he sent. And the New York Times reported that the NFL had flagged many emails by Gruden in which he used racist, misogynistic and homophobic terms dating back from 2010 to 2018. He ended up resigning and uh, was quoted saying, I love the Raiders and do not want to be a distraction. So there's more than 600,000 emails that were reviewed by NFL executives in uh, the Washington football team workplace investigation, but none of them will be released when uh, talking about uh, uh, Dan Snyder. So there's a lot going on with the NFL right now. Uh, What are your thoughts on this situation? And then, after that, let's talk about the Raiders and their outlook for the rest of the season. Um, I mean, as far as uh, the whole Gruden situation, when I first heard about it, um, there was a, uh, and they were talking about as far as like his comments that he made in an email regarding the NFLPA um, players associate, the head of the NFL Players Association. And at first, I personally didn't think of it like I didn't just I just thought like, oh, it's just going to be, you know, crazy story he's gonna apologize people are gonna give him heat for it and they're gonna move on allegedly the nfl was telling the raiders like hey that's not it though <laughs> that's not the only thing we got we got a lot of a lot of dirt so and it's one of those instances where some people will be kind of like um shocked or surprised and kind of be like oh my god i can't believe that but when you really think about it, you know, with any workplace, you don't know who you're necessarily working alongside or working with or, you know, who's in the managerial position, head coaching position or front office position, what these guys are saying behind closed doors or in emails and stuff like that. You don't know what people could be saying about you um, unless you obviously uncover it and see it or just happen to, you know, to see something or whatever. So with that being said, I think, this is definitely a lesson for not just 
those involved in the NFL, but also those involved in any sort of workplace and any sort of profession and any sort of, uh, you know, just, it's just anything. Like the, I saw this one thing where somebody said, if you're DMing, a, like guys, you know, if you're DMing a chick, just think if she screenshots this and she puts it out there, how would you like, you know, how would you react if she like puts you on blast? Like, I mean, Expose. come on. Don't exactly. So I'm just saying like, in the sense of if you're not afraid for somebody to, for it to get out to the public, you know, you kind of have to think twice about hitting that send button because we've seen time and time again, guys post or people post things that whether it was 10 years ago, whether it was 20 years ago, whether it was 30 years ago, whatever the case may be, if you put something out on the internet, you said something, you put it out um, for the public to see, it can come back and it can hurt your career and it can hurt you um, to be, have the ability to make money and be able to provide for your family. Now, um, you know, John Gruden says he doesn't have a racist bone in his body. You know, he says he's a good guy. I think Derek Carr pretty much kind of summed it up from as far as his opinions on it. Um, you know, he loves the man, but he hates the same. And so I think it's a situation where you can go either way on it. Uh, if you hate John Gruden for this coming out, I could totally understand it. If you still love him, but you hate the fact that, you know, he said what he said, he was doing what he was doing. I can understand that too. So regardless of whatever you feel about it necessarily, I think it's just a lesson as far as uh, when you're in the workplace or when you're in any sort of uh, professional academic or whatever type of setting am amongst other types of people, you got to just be respectful, bro. And just understand that putting anything out there for <laughs> the public to see, you know, whether it comes back around 10 years or 30 years or whatever, somebody can be able to see it, look it up and put you on blast. Cause I'm for sure that, you know, there's stuff that I put out there that I probably regret. And I'm probably going to like be searching through my Twitter DMs, be searching through my posts and looking through and like, yo, did I see that? And, you know, just trying to make sure that like, Hey, uh, everything is, you know, all, all buttoned up. So it, it is what it is, but I can totally see why this would be a big controversy and still, you know, the NFL are doing an investigation about the Washington football team's emails and they're trying to, you know, still uncover different things. So this is something that's not going to go away. This is something that's going to, you know, they're going to uncover more emails because I think the biggest thing was the whole conversation, I think, involving Michael Sam. And I think that was one of the things that was kind of like heavily focused on because of not even that. They was also that time. I think they were huge scrutinizing female referees as well. Right, too. right, right. So that was just talking about cheerleaders as well. Yeah, so. exactly. So that's that's always going to be a thing. Like, because just picture if you're in your workplace and somebody was talking about you behind your back or talking about someone you know in emails, and you saw those emails, it's like, like, dang, like, what would you do? Like, you know. So hey, I, I perfectly understand why the NFL did what they did and why Gruden did what he did. And I think it was the right decision for him to resign. But overall, as far as the outlook of the Raiders season, they can go to one or two ways. They can allow this to determine their season because they were having such a good season prior to this. And they could allow this to just let the season just go and derail and just go downhill from there. Or they can rally around this. And I think it's going to be on the shoulders of Derek Carr, really, as far as showing that he's a leader and being able to galvanize this team and showing that, hey, we can't let this define us as a as a group of men, as a group of individuals. 
we can't let this define uh, who we are, you know, because he's now gone and, you know, we got to focus on the job that we have at hand and that's trying to win football games. So I, I perfectly think that this is a great opportunity for the Raiders to get closer or they could just allow this to, you know, be the start of something totally wrong and Vegas can just go back to being the old Raiders again. Yeah, on, on surface, when this story came out and they were saying like 2011, 2010, I was just like, all right, this is just another situation of cancel culture. And, you know, you're talking about your tweets in the past. I know I've had tweets in the past as well, too, but it's like, you know, that time it was a little less more. It was a little less sensitive. You know, we were younger, stuff like that. But if I was in the NFL shoes, I honestly would have done the same thing and kind of have a no tolerance policy, especially since there's emails as recent as three years ago. So that's a little more recent than, you know, obviously 2010, 2011. But so I, I think the NFL did the right thing. I think uh, John Gruden did the right thing by resigning. Um, if he would didn't resign, I'm pretty sure he would have got fired. But I just want to say this, Court, you called this that you said Gruden is going to get his money's worth and he's going to get up out of Vegas after this season because he's going to get fired. You said that at the beginning of the season. Obviously, you didn't know it would happen this way. I didn't think this would, yeah, I didn't yeah. think this would happen, but I mean, I felt like, you know, you did say that this would be his last season. Yeah, you said it would be his last season. Yeah. So, I Damn. mean, hey, you called it. <laughs> But yeah, obviously, oh, he yeah. happened this way. Um, and he did happen just before the end of the season. But uh, the Raiders as a team, I think they're in shambles because their interim head coach, uh, Rich Bisacci, I think I said his name. I don't even know how to say his name, to be honest. I got to learn it. But uh, he uh, he's taken over as a head coach right now. And you saw in his first start, obviously, you know, with everything going on, it's a little tough, but they just lost to the Bears. The Bears, same team that only put up 47 offensive yards against the Browns. So, and the Raiders, they had a great start, started off 3 0, lost to the Chargers. Now they lost to the Bears. But, and they looked like they were going to have a promising career or they were going to have a promising season. But I think they're going to go back to the good old Raiders, the, the solid eight and eight. So maybe they'll go eight and nine, seven and 10, something like that. But I don't, I don't see the Raiders really bouncing back from this. I think it's going to be the main storyline of their entire season. And it's going to hang over their head this entire season. And it's not going to be until this off season, whenever they're, if they do get a new head coach or if they're going to ride with uh, their interim head coach as their head coach. Um, I don't think until the off season, they'll be able to get over it and focus on the season alone. Yeah, and the crazy thing also is, like, when you think about as far as the legacy that Gruden kind of leaves the Raiders in, uh, it's in a weird purgatory stage, you know what I mean? Like, they really either needed to be good this year and make a play and make the playoffs, or they kind of at this point need to try to be getting getting a a top-tier draft pick because, like, uh, I think they need to wrap, uh, rep, try to like get some more in that that draft capital because they don't they're not a bad team on paper at least, but you just look at their their team and you kind of just think middle of the road. It's like Peyton Manning said in the first game of the season when they played the Ravens. That's a six and eleven team. <laughs> it's a six and eleven team. He said, "Look, I agree with what he said right then and there." And I kind of just been like, "Look, look, I, I had no faith before the season started." And so after this situation, I, I can't really have a whole lot of faith uh, yeah, that they're going to use this in order to, you know, I don't know, go on a crazy win streak. But, you know, stranger things happen in the NFL. 
Yeah, absolutely. I just looked up his name. It's Bisaccia. That's how you say his name. Rich Bisaccia. I still might be pronouncing that wrong, but we'll see. <laughs> I, we'll, we'll hear some announcers say it throughout the season. So let's move on. We got the Arizona Cardinals, the only remaining undefeated team in the NFL. They've beaten some legit teams as the Rams, the Niners. You can maybe even say the Vikings, too, given what the, <laughs> the fight that the Vikings have given to some of these teams. Um, but the Cardinals are the only undefeated team and actually this just in, but the Cardinals have traded for pro bowl tight end Zach Ertz. So, and I just want to say, I did call this a year and a half ago. I said that the Cardinals should trade for, uh, Zach Ertz, especially after all his injury and then the emergence of Dallas Goddard. So the trade is finally done, but I want to ask you, Corey, are the Cardinals legit? Do you see them as possible title contenders? I mean, I think that the Rams win was very impressive. Like the way in which that they beat the Rams was just like, wow, that, that I, I kind of wasn't sure if they would get that win. Like, I, I wasn't sure if they would win, but not only did they win, they were dominating the Rams for the entire game. So that was impressive in itself. And I think um, this team realistically, will go only as far as Kyler Murray kind of takes them because there's been some games where their defense has kind of been, you know, all right, but you could definitely see they're getting it done on the offensive side of the ball and Kyler's doing it with his legs. He's doing it in the air and he's just making plays. And you could say that he's definitely up there in the MVP conversation. I would, you know, because of where the Cardinals currently are and, how he's performing right now and everything looks good as far as how they're moving. And it's kind of crazy because everybody was kind of putting that pressure on not just Kyler, but the Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury, the coach, because they were kind of just like, yeah, they're a nice flashy team, but can they get the job done? And can they actually win games and not only contend in the division, but try to be a, 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 a sneaky team to win a Super Bowl potentially. And I think they're legit. I think the only thing that will kind of pretty much determine whether or not they're uh, the team to beat in the NFC is whether or not they can continue to stay healthy because they do have a few guys on that roster that from time to time have gone a bit, you know, have been injury plagued. So if they can keep majority of the offense and defense uh, good to go throughout the course of this season, and especially toward the end of the season as they head towards the playoffs, yeah, this could be a team that tries to make a serious push at that Super Bowl. Yeah, for me, I, I mean, they have a tough test coming this week against the Browns, where although they're undefeated, they are underdogs going into Cleveland. So, and Zach Ertz is ineligible to play because he played in the Thursday night game. And the Cardinals, they're already down their sacks leader, Chandler Jones, who tested positive for COVID, but the Browns are uh, just announced that Nick Chubb is going to be out this game too. But in terms of the season so far, you mentioned it. Kyler Murray, MVP candidate, absolutely. What he's been able to do on the field. And then he's had offensive weapons all around him. You've had, uh, obviously, DeAndre Hopkins. A.J. Green has shown flashes of his old, old self. And then their rookie, Rondell Moore, has been great. Christian Kirk. And now you add Zach Ertz to that mix. So he just has ample weapons. And I definitely see him continue and trend up on that MVP candidate. Um, right now, they're sixth in offensive yards per game, fourth in points per game. Defensively, they're kind of in the middle of the pack uh, in terms of yards allowed per game, but sixth least points 
uh, allowed per game. So they're looking good. And they're also third in the league in turnover differentials with a plus five turnover differential. So the Cardinals, they've, I think they're legit. I don't see them as contenders because you still have the likes of the Bucks. I even like the Rams over them, even though they already beat them. Uh, but I still, I still like those teams just because I think they're a little more polished around. But if this Cardinals team can stay healthy and we even see like a little old school flashback of JJ Watt having JJ mm-hmm. Watt and Chandler mm-hmm. Jones and then Buda Baker, if he did what he did last season, I can definitely see this team making some noise because they're for sure making the playoffs after what I've seen from this team so far, uh, barred no crazy injuries. Knock on <laughs> yeah, wood. Exactly. But, and plus, I, when you think about it, not to cut you off, but when you think about it, like with the injury to Russell Wilson and the Seahawks mm-hmm. kind of being mm-hmm. where they are. And you think about also the like the only team that I think right now is going to be pushing for that division in the NFC West, along with the Cardinals, is going to be the Rams. So when you look at like the struggles of the 49ers, the injury to Russell Wilson with the Seahawks, that I don't want to say that puts them out of it because, you know, they can maybe still be in the mix because if Russell comes back, they can, he could, you know, we've seen what Russ has done for the Seahawks. He just finds a way. He just finds a way. And then the 49ers, I still think that they're not out of it completely yet, but they definitely need to find some wins on that, on that, uh, on that schedule real quick. Otherwise they could be looking upward uh, real fast. But ultimately I think the, that division goes through both uh, Arizona and LA and either way it goes, I think that could be a big determinant on who potentially has a better opportunity to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, couldn't have said it better. Since we're talking about Kyler Murray, let's talk about quarterbacks and let's talk about our top five quarterbacks, 25 and under. So let's start off with five. Who do you have for five? Five, I'm going to surprise you guys, but I'm going to go Sam Darnold. I mean, the dude has looked like he's just looked completely revolutionized at the quarterback position ever since he got traded from the New York Jets to the Carolina Panthers. And if I'm thinking of a quarterback that kind of takes the boxes for me as far as having the arm strength, having uh, the poise to stay in the pocket, can take big hits, you know, even though he sees ghosts sometimes, (laughs) he's still able to stay in there and he's able to make big time plays. I don't know, you know, as far as like, just the only thing you need to worry about with Sam Darnold is, you know, what, where, where is he going? Because we don't need you contracting mononucleosis anymore, buddy. So, but, but other than that, I mean, Sam Darnold, I think is a strong, good quarterback and he makes a lot of good decisions. And I think that experience with the jets of being on, a losing team in a losing environment and uh, getting humbled a lot early on in his career, that really is going to set the table for the second half of his career with the Carolina Panthers and wherever else he goes throughout the rest of his uh, NFL time that he's going to show teams and he's going to show a lot of different people uh, that watch the NFL that, Hey, this guy is still one of the best quarterbacks. And he was one of the best quarterback prospects in that draft that he was in. Yeah, I know he didn't have the greatest games last week against the Eagles. Oh, no. I know one guy who's going to be uh, all aboard on your Sam Donald training. That's Kyle <laughs> Fulbright, our boy at Milton Sports Corner. Shout out to them. But uh, for me at number five, I got to go with Joe Burrow, 24 years old. And you look at number five versus the top four that we're going to go through, and it's it's quite a drop off between those guys. But Joe Burrow, 
didn't really have the rookie season he envisioned, injured his knee, causing him to miss half the season. But so far in 2021, he's looked good. And with all the weapons that he has surrounding him, Burrow had the greatest college season a quarterback has ever had in college. So we know the potential is there and he has the potential to be great. And uh, so far, he's having a bounce back season, had a little rough game against the Packers last week, but only time will tell with this team. But I think if the Bengals can finally get him some protection on the offensive line, which I thought they should have done. But hey, Jamar Chase is balling out for him. So I think Joe Burrow is my number five, uh, 25 uh, and under quarterback. I think also they give him a kicker that knows that he can make the, <laughs> the game-winning kicks. Yeah, Nate, also help too. Nate McPherson, they took him in the fifth round. And, uh, I mean, he hasn't been terrible last season, but, yeah, no. he just it, it was just a brutal game all around last game, both for the Packers like and the piece. Bengals. Now, I don't like think I've piece. ever I don't think I've ever seen a kick miss to where they hit the flag. I don't know mm. if you saw it. They, he, he hit the flag on the on the goalpost and missed the yeah. field goal. I don't think I've ever seen yeah. that before. So man thought he hit it though. He was celebrating everything. He's like, yep, got it. And then turn around. Like, Wait, what? Yeah. Damn. So tough. Tough, moving on tough. to number four, I'm gonna go with Kyler Murray, 24 years old. Uh, he's still yet to make the playoffs this season, but we just talked about how I think he's gonna make the playoffs. But in his third year, so far undefeated, and he has the highest completion percentage of any starting quarterback. And he's one of those dual threat quarterbacks where he can not only beat you with his arm, but his feet. And he's one of the quickest players in the league as well, too. So his versatility is definitely helping him stay relevant in this MVP conversation. And that's why I have him at number four. Who do you have? Yeah, I'm right there with you. Kyler Murray, I feel like the the thing that's just crazy about him is his size. It's like, dude is not the biggest guy, but he's definitely the biggest guy as far as as far as heart and as far as uh, the way that he plays on the field, because he just does whatever he has to do. He knows how to be able to stay healthy. And I think that the biggest thing for him is whether or not he can avoid the big hit when he takes off and runs, because that's always the biggest thing that you always worry about. Whenever the quarterback leaves the pocket and takes off and tries to make a play with their legs, like, just please don't, don't, don't take a big hit. That's all you hate what you worry about. But Hey, I mean, kudos to Kyler. I think he's been able to develop his game. And I think also his uh, baseball background has really helped him as well. As far as nobody really even talks about that, like his baseball background, I think really set the table for him to be a really good quarterback in the NFL. And I think when you really think about in tandem of like, you know, having to, you know, throw the ball and, you know, things of that nature and, you know, be, you know, be a a strong guy and build up strength uh, with uh, baseball. I think that definitely helps him out. And I think if he continues to develop, and he continues to play well um, and has, you know, this coach alongside him and, and plays in the same system, I think the sky's the limit for him. Yeah, I mean, I think that baseball background definitely helps him. And you're talking about him taking a big hit, but he's he's probably one of the best sliding quarterbacks. So he knows when to slide, how to slide, exactly. so he doesn't injure himself too. So that's definitely a beneficiary for him. Moving on to number three, who do you have? Uh, number three, I got Josh Allen. And the only reason I have Josh Allen number three instead of number two is because I feel that I feel like he's like, this is the best we'll see. Like, you know, this is pretty much like he's in his prime right now for me. It's like, I don't see him like, I, I, I and this might sound controversial. People, you know, might take this the way they will. Bill's Mafia, don't come after me. But I'm just saying that 
from what I see and from what I've like noticed from him last season, I feel like was like amazing. This season's kind of gotten off to a, like a weird start, but he's definitely picking things up. He's definitely playing well. I think he's also in the uh, MVP conversation. And, you know, obviously me and Kush, we've definitely picked him to win MVP this year. Um, and so I feel like Josh Allen, he's going to peak and this is going to be pretty much what you see is what you get. That's the only reason I have him at the number three spot instead of the number two spot, just because I think this is this is the best we'll see out of him. I mean, a four and one start ain't too bad if you. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. (laughs) It's not. It's not. But I think as far as statistical wise, he's going to put a consistent the consistent numbers that we're going to see going forward for the rest of his career. We're going to see those numbers for pretty much. And I don't see them going up. I don't really see them going down all that much either. For me at number three, I got to go Justin Herbert, 23 years old, broke almost all the rookie passing records, one rookie of the year, and now has a legit team with a competent head coach. So in his second season, he's looking like an, an MVP candidate and one of the lead guys for the MVP award uh, in his last three games. Get this. He's put up 900 passing yards, 11 touchdowns and no turnovers. So he's been Crazy. on an absolute tear and he is arguably the hottest player in football right now and summer i mean you got steve levy over here calling him a hall of famer already on monday night football so (laughs) hey he's he's looking good right now moving on to number two i gotta go josh allen 25 years old in his third season right now allen took the bills uh to an afc championship game and had an mvp caliber year last season He's doing more of the same this year, and I think the Bills are looking to be the favorites to win the AFC this year. And if he can get to that Super Bowl and even win a Super Bowl, maybe he jumps up to number one on this list. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, number two for me, I got to go Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's me. Uh, you just talked about it. Like, potential is there. It is high. And the funny thing is, is when you look at his draft profile, he wasn't really – I don't like when people say that he was slept on. I think it was just more so people thought that he had some accuracy issues, which was true. If you looked at the tape and you looked at what he was doing in Oregon, there were some times where he was inaccurate and he was not connecting on a lot of his throws. So I think that the plan initially his rookie year was to allow him to sit behind Tyrod Taylor. But then obviously Tyrod gets a punctured lung. Justin has to go in. And then once he went in, he was not, he's never coming back. He was never coming back out unless he just had a drastic, 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 uh, you know, bad run of play. He was just playing awful, but he never really uh, got shaken. And I think that that was the big thing. And even though, like you said, the Chargers lost so many games, so many close games last year, he was always having them in the mix of winning games. And that's what you always want to see. Your quarterback all is not the reason that, you're losing, but he's the reason that you're in this position to win games. And even Justin Herbert, even yeah, with a ahead. fully like his team was so injured last year, offensive line, defensively, everything. So he was having to put the team on his back last year. It's, and you see now a, a healthy Chargers team exactly. is reaping the benefits of having him there. And I think that uh, he's definitely in the right position. He's definitely in the, with the right team. And I think the Chargers are definitely going to just continue to love him. Uh, if he continues to go on this trajectory, they can really have the perfect replacement for Philip Rivers. They can have the guy that they wanted right here in Justin Herbert, who has the sky's the limit, the potential to go ahead and lead them to be a top tier team in the AFC going forward. Who's your number one player then? 
Number one, Kush, you're going to love me for this, but it's Lamar Jackson. And I think he's the favorite to win the MVP right now. Only reason because of all the injuries that they've had to deal with and all the different things that they've had to deal with in Baltimore. And yet they're still, they're still right now uh, one of the best teams, not only in the AFC, but one of the best teams in the league. And that's solely because of Lamar, I think. Because let's face facts. I mean, he was the reason that they got into field goal range against the Lions. That should have been a loss. That should have been a game that they should have lost, but they were able to win. And he's just, I think, continued to show off and continue to put up stats and numbers after numbers, break records after records, and literally doing whatever it takes to make sure that they end up with a W and not an L. So I think that Lamar Jackson, to me, the thing that worries me only about him is can he continue this, this trajectory if he with the style of play that he does because we all know that you know once he gets out like good luck good luck you know scrambling around chasing him because he's just so quick so fast so elusive and so athletic but if he can avoid any like serious types of injury or any concussion or like we just don't i just don't want to see him be in a situation where he has the the rg3 sort of treatment and he gets you know that one bad hit or that one bad play and boom, like whole career just completely changes for him. So um, as long as he stays healthy, I think, and he's able to have that mobility and be able to, you know, keep teams guessing, he's always going to be up there as far as a contending, uh, a contender for MVP and have his team contending to win games just because you you got to always in the back of your mind account for his speed and him getting outside the pocket. But then also you have to be aware of like your assignments because he could just easily bomb it over the top of your head to a, uh, to a wide hope in Hollywood Brown. So yeah, he's, he's definitely, uh, I think the best uh, 25 or under quarterback right now, in my opinion. Yeah. I love how people were talking about the NFL hasn't figured out this season, but it doesn't look like they haven't figured out this season yet, but I'm right there with you. Number one, I got Lamar Jackson. Call it bias. Call it whatever you want. But it's crazy. Call him a quarterback. Call him a running back. Whatever you want. (laughs) I don't care what you call him, how you want to label him, as long as it translates to wins. And Lamar so far is 34 and eight in his career. That's an 81 win percentage for a quarterback, running back, whatever you want to call him. He can put the team on his back and win you ballgames, both with his arm and his feet. And you've seen that multiple times this season because the Ravens, I, w- I wouldn't say they're one of the best teams right now just because there's been a lot of uh, wishy-washy games that could have gone either way. Obviously, they came out on top, and that's why Lamar Jackson is the number one uh, 25 and under quarterback for me because he has been the the momentum changer and the guy who has kind of got him over that hump. But you talk about a guy who was only one of two players to ever win unanimous MVPs. And he did that in his second year as well, too. And he's only 24 as well, too. And he came out of uh, the same draft class as Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold. So I love how Baker Mayfield was taken before Sam Darnold, taken before Josh Allen. And he is uh, not on this list for either of us. So, but yeah, I got Lamar Jackson as my number one uh quarterback 25 and under we'll see if this hot streak of his this season continues and he can win another mvp i feel like with baker um he is a good quarterback but i think the question always arises with baker is um 
as the as the Browns have ascended and they now become not just a playoff team, but a team that's continuing to win the Super Bowl. I mean, Kush has them in the Super Bowl this year, so uh, we're not we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> no, nah, but I'm just saying, like they they they've arisen, and that's because of Baker. Don't get me wrong. There are still times where he is a little sporadic. He is a little inconsistent. And I think that is the sort of thing that kind of makes you because I think he's still like among he's interchangeable with Darnold Burrow and those type of guys. You know what I mean? Like the the guys who you could easily put him at five. I think also uh, I just I also I just realized he's 26 years old. So he oh, wouldn't right, be right. able to be on <laughs> he list. wouldn't make it a list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but honestly, I feel like if he was still under, you know, 25 or under, then you would definitely be in, in the mix. But I personally just think that uh, he can at times be a little inconsistent, but that's not to say he's a bad quarterback by any means. Moving on, we got the games of the week. We missed week four. Week four, we had the Ravens versus the Broncos. The Ravens won 23 to seven. Week five, we didn't get an announcement, but we posted on our social media. We had the Bills versus the Chiefs. The Bills won. And everybody, we took a sweep with the Bills. The listeners, Corey and I, all took the Bills. Um, as in the Ravens and Broncos, the listeners and Corey took the Broncos, and I took I stood by my Ravens. So <laughs> the current standings, with that being said, the listeners are at top four and one. Corey and myself are three and two, tied for second. So maybe that'll change this week because we have a tough week six game of the week, and that is going to be the Vikings versus the Panthers. Who do you have, Corey? Um, I'd say that after our, their hot start, I think the Panthers kind of came back down to earth a little bit, and they definitely are going to try to look to get back on the wing column. And I think the defense definitely is going to look to take advantage and try to come after uh, Kirk Cousins and try to – you know, really frustrate them. I think uh, the Vikings um, celebrated a little too hard uh, against the, the Lions when they got that win. Just a little bit, just a little too hard. But I think that the Panthers are going to get this dub for me. Uh, I think that they're going to, like I said, have a bounce back win, a much needed win to, you know, for them to be able to continue to the, this surprising start that they've been on. The Vikings on the road are two and a half point favorites. But speaking to your lines, I think they just like giving uh, every team heart or heart attacks, basically <laughs> coming down to the wire. And then they're the ones that end up with the heartbreak. So it's tough. But um, for me, I'm going to go with the Vikings after seeing what the Panthers did against the Eagles last week. Um, wasn't very convinced by them. And plus, uh, the Vikings are fully healthy on the offensive side of things. Dalvin Cook is coming back. Justin Jefferson, uh, Adam Thielen, they're all healthy this week as well, too. So the Vikings offense, I know I shitted on them in the prediction. <laughs> and I even told myself, I said, I don't know how I have them going, whatever. I think I only had them getting like four or five wins this season. Yeah, I yeah. I yeah. even t- I said it on the podcast. I said, I don't know how this ended up that I'm giving them this record. But um, and it's because the, the Vikings offense is one of the best offenses in the league. They can beat you in every way, even though Kirk Cousin gets a lot of slander. He has Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen uh, killing it out there. And then Dalvin Cook, one of the best running backs in the game right now. Defensively, it's a little tough on the Viking side of things. And it's going to be very interesting just because the Panthers are the second best defense in the NFL right now. And they're going up against the Vikings, one of the best defenses. So that's why it's our game of the week. So I'm hoping for a really, really close game, a one score game, 
Um, and I think it will be, um, but I'm going to ultimately go with the Vikings to win this game on Sunday. Moving on to the NBA. I feel like there's always drama in the NBA, whether it's in season, preseason, playoffs, whatever it is. But I think the biggest drama right now is Kyrie Irving. Corey has always been a proponent of the Kyrie Irving drama ever since he went to Brooklyn. Hey, I mean, didn't I but, say that, that, but that he, he would be like the reason why there would be some some situation in, in Brooklyn, though? I did say no, that. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I mean, it wasn't like a like like shocking to anybody who follows you know the league like everybody knows that Kyrie is is his own dude so right so right now currently the drama is that the Brooklyn Nets announced that Kyrie will not play or practice so long as he remains unvaccinated what are your thoughts on that I mean I think that was the right decision because look uh, it's like Sean Marks the GM said we want to have full participants like <laughs> like like people were saying that Kyrie was trying to be a uh he wasn't he was trying to be a part-time NBA player <laughs> like yo imagine being a part-time NBA player bro I saw the but, funniest thing on Twitter sorry don't mean to cut you off but no, you was, someone said Kyrie Irving is Kanye West with handles <laughs> yes yes I've seen that I've seen that yes yes and to be honest when whenever I hear like the the Kanye West comparison I, I totally understand where people are coming from because they don't understand why Kanye West says some of the things that he says, and they don't understand why Kyrie says and does some of the things that he does. Because, you know, whenever you are, because I feel that Kyrie's more of an introvert personality set. And we saw uh, a couple of seasons ago when the NBA was first uh, dealing with coronavirus, when the season was halted and they were getting ready to start the bubble. Kyrie was one of those guys that was advocating that the season just, just be fully just like scrapped out and that they focus more so on uh, pushing uh, social justice and focusing on a lot of things that had to be bigger than basketball. He was trying to get the league on board that. And then there was even rumors that he was trying to get people to maybe even consider starting their own league. And I think that that is the type of timing and that is the type of thinking that Kyrie is really on. And it's one thing I think for uh, a lot of the, you know, players to say they're, they're, you know, they respect Kyrie, they support Kyrie. It's one thing for the, even the Nets to say that they support him. But then there's a report that comes out that says that the Nets ain't giving him a, a contract extension and they're not trying to resign him. So I'm like, I, I I totally understand because look, you're trying to win a championship. This will be the, the Nets' first ever championship in franchise history, as far as the NBA. And you're trying to finally, finally, finally bring that to not just your city, not just your franchise, but you're trying to do that. You know, James Harden, we know he's definitely on that because that's the whole reason why he was trying to get out of Houston, because he was like, look, I'm trying to get a championship. And so with Kyrie you know, not being uh, there fully, I could understand them kind of being like, look, we respect you. We, you know, we would obviously love to have you on the team, but you're not about to stop us from trying to go ahead and get this chip. I can totally understand that. And so, but with Kyrie, I think a lot of people keep saying that they were confused with his, uh, his IG live when he went live on Instagram and he pretty much explained exactly why he, was taking the stance that he was taking because he's he said look he's not anti-vax one so he's perfectly fine with getting the vaccine but i think what is just kind of maybe bothering him and bothering a lot of people in this country is the fact that it just feels that 
this thing is being pushed upon people and being forced. It's not being a matter of choice. It's being a matter of either you get this vaccine or you lose your job. Either you get this vaccine He's or you're not able to, uh, you know, make money or make or, or or do or go to different places, go to different restaurants, go to, you know, sporting events, whatever the case may be. And look, I'm not on that. I'm not I'm not a believer of that. But I just think that the it does feel kind of interesting that certain things are being pushed and certain things, certain agendas are being taken. But I understand why the, the, the need is to do that, because they want to get everybody as, as vaccinated as possible. Everybody, you know, uh, but for me personally, I can understand why Kyrie is taking the stance that he's taking. And I'm in full support of him in the sense of I respect somebody making their own choice, especially in the face of a majority of the league that's looking at this dude going like, dog, why won't you just get this vaccine? Like, it's not that it's not that big a deal. And everybody says the same thing. It's not that it's not that big a deal. Just get a shot. Like, uh, and I think that ultimately, whether it's this season or next season, I think he will end up getting it. And I think it's just a matter of time before either he gets traded or he uh, becomes a free agent and he's moving on to another yet another team. So because I I just don't I just don't know if the Nets fully have trusted Kyrie and we know they don't because that's the whole reason why they brought in James Harden because they had that that safety net of okay if Kyrie decides to go off and you know do personal reasons and and be you know with family or do whatever he's got to do we can't just have Kevin Durant be on an island by himself. So they got James Harden. They got Kevin Durant. And Isaiah Thomas a few weeks ago said, if Kyrie, with the Nets roster currently as it is, if they don't have Kyrie, they're not winning a championship. And I'm I'm kind of, I go back and forth on that, but I still think that the Nets have enough. It's just that I think Kyrie obviously makes them the, be all end all favorites because there's no other team that is going to be able to shut down three offensive threats, three scoring uh, players uh, like Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. But ultimately, I think that the Nets are going to have just that much of a more of a difficult time without him, but it's going to make it that much more interesting <laughs> with him not being there. Yeah. The way I see it, he's an anti, anti, anti vaxxer. <laughs> I'll let you guys do the do the math in your head, but that that's basically what he is. Um, but yeah, we we've seen when all three of those guys are full system go and they're healthy, they are a very very tough team to stop, and there's a reason why they were uh, NBA champion favorites this season. So if he decides to stand with his stance on uh, getting vaccinated, um, I don't know if we'll even see him play at all this season he'd only be allowed to play on the road games on what on and those states they may even have the same mandates as new york so who who's to say that he was uh he could play those games so and then on top of that he can't practice with the team for a good amount of the season as well too so it just it's a tough situation um i can't really see steve nash inserting Kyrie on road games especially if, if he hasn't practiced as much as well um I think it would throw off the chemistry. I remember Bill Walton when he was with the Clippers and he was yeah. uh, getting his law degree at uh, UCLA. He only played weekend games with the Clippers. So, and it definitely threw off the entire chemistry and the entire rotation of that team. So I think it's really tough on Steve Nash, a second year uh, head coach. So 
luckily, if Kyrie doesn't play, the team brought in veterans like Patty Mills, and they brought in uh, solid veteran pieces to go alongside Kevin Durant and James Harden. So I think the two options really for the for Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets is playing the waiting game or possibly trading Kyrie Irving to a state that doesn't have the same vaccination mandates uh, that uh, uh, New York has. And if he is to get traded, there's another guy that's possibly going to get traded still, and that is Ben Simmons. And him returning to Philly after two weeks of not showing up to training camp or preseason games, uh, Ben Simmons surprised everyone, including the Sixers organization, by reporting to camp and the preseason game. Which I told you, you he'd come back. I told you, you he'd did. come back. <laughs> you did say that, which I am awfully surprised with. But <laughs> do you see this more as a Band-Aid for the situation, or do you see both sides stitching the wounds together and repairing what has been kind of uh, broken? Well, I think the biggest thing for both Ben Simmons and the 76ers is that it's funny enough how everybody just completely – craps all over ben simmons says he's one of the worst players in the league i don't says understand that look i get it philly is tribunal i get it i get it i can't tell you how many times i've seen f ben simmons uh there was a a wrestling event and the crowd literally in philly uh was chanting f ben simmons and i'm just like bro like dang newscasters have been going after this man they've been like everywhere in philly, bro some dude said like i show up to work on like ben simmons or something yeah, like, like I'm that like, i'm like dang bro there's no chill in philly there's no ch- like everybody's talking about outside of Kyrie. as far as nba nba talk it's Kyrie and ben simmons right now that's leading the conversation and pretty much with ben simmons i feel like he was pushing the corner where they don't have the capacity or the willingness as a franchise right now in Philly to be like, you know what? We, 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 you drafted this guy. This guy was being touted as being the next LeBron. So, you know what? Malcolm Brogdon, we'll, we'll straight up, we'll, we'll, give, we'll give him up for Malcolm Brogdon straight up. They're not going to do that. And because they want something back. And they've already made it clear. They don't want Kyrie. I don't really know any team right now that's looking at Kyrie uh, and thinking like, yeah, that's a guy who we can trust to lead our franchise at the moment. Although it would be interesting to see Kyrie with Joel and B because that would be hella 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 fun. That would be hella funny. But um, to be honest with you, I think the trade is going to take some time because Ben Simmons has to show that he is a player and he's not just, you know, uh, a role player he has to you know build up his value again he did it like when he first came into the league and he showed that he had a lot of potential and obviously if the, if the Sixers would have been trying to trade him back then they would have got a lot more <laughs> in return for him because you look at the potential that he has but um I think Ben Simmons really has to play a few games in order to show teams and franchises that look he's taking his game serious he has to show that He's made some improvements to his game, too. He can't just be coming and playing the same old Ben Simmons uh, play style. Otherwise, I think a lot of teams are going to be turned off of the idea of bringing in a guy at his age with the value that he has and, you know, gifting away and giving out, you know, picks, uh, players and, you know, the whole uh, entire team in order to get them. I just don't see any smart GM doing that. I think ultimately a trade will be will come about. but. A thing that I think people even need to realize is that 
Philly does not have to trade him. They're in no position to where they have to be forced to trade the guy. And I even saw something that uh, uh, I think uh, the NBA officials are looking at punishing players for requesting trades or something like that. And I'm like, but with uh, financial uh, fines and things of that nature. And I'm like, I could see that being an interesting thing that the, (laughs) that the players association would totally be against. So uh, Ben Simmons, I think needs to get out of Philly just because of the toxic toxicity because people just straight up hate him right now. But I think what he can do to help build up his value is definitely showing out and showing up to work and showing that, Hey, I don't give a F what y'all think about me. I don't care what y'all saying about me. I don't care how y'all feel about me. I'm trying to get this money one and two. I'm trying to show that I'm a, I'm not a scrub because that's what everybody feels he is right now. They think he's a clown. They think he's a scrub. And they think that he just cannot play. It's like, it's like with, with the insert Stephen A. Smith's uh, description of Kwame Brown. Like they literally he's a bona fide that, scrub. Yeah, he's a bona fide scrub. He can't play. Like that, that's literally what Philly thinks of Ben Simmons right now. And based off of what happened in the playoffs, I can see why. But it's a team game. The team failed. Yes, he was one of the worst guys, and he was one of the main players who was bad. But Joel Embiid struggled, Tobias Harris also struggled, and the team ultimately struggled as a whole. I mean, I'm I'm surprised that nobody is pointing the finger at Doc Rivers. They did that for like a minute, and then all of a sudden it was just Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons hate. And I'm like, bro, nobody <laughs> looking at the fact that Doc Rivers has a track record of doing this <laughs> year in and year out the past few years. But, hey, it ultimately is what it is. And I'm not surprised he's coming back. He knows he got to get that money because his lifestyle, he lives a lavish lifestyle, and he's not about to sacrifice a check in order to, you know, piss off a bunch of Philly fans. Yeah, for for me, my whole problem with Ben Simmons is just his motivation. I feel like he's never been exactly a guy who's been motivated, who wants to evolve his game. You even look back to – uh lsu where he went where his i believe his father or his um his uncle or something like that was that was the head coach at lsu and that's why he went to lsu and he was one of the best players there's a reason why he went number one overall in the draft but he wasn't even eligible for the john wooden award because he couldn't get a 2.0 gpa in his lone season he was just like all right i'm gonna go here just to you know play or whatever just so i can get to the nba because that was obviously before the g league route which i would guarantee he would have taken mm-hmm. but that just goes to show, and he's, what, now five years into this league, and he still hasn't, uh, you know, created a jump shot or added that to his arsenal. So, I mean, I, for Ben Simmons, I, if, whether he goes somewhere else or not, or he stays in Philly, I just don't see him getting that jump shot. When it could just be a confidence thing in him, and maybe it could just be Philly. Like, he just doesn't feel comfortable doing it in Philly just because we've already, we've already talked about this, about how mm-hmm. Philly fans are terrible, whereas if you were to go somewhere else, like a Memphis or something like that, like, they won't scrutinize him for doing something like that. Like, they'll just let him play his game. Um, but I just don't understand why he doesn't evolutionize his game. And for me, if I'm the Phillies, I still try to look to trade him. Obviously, not for Malcolm Brogdon, but for something <laughs> – better you know maybe like a bradley beal damian lillard if they're still on the trade block something like that but honestly i'm surprised that uh that uh you know if it would have been interesting to see if uh, the nets try to flip Kyrie Irving for damian lillard to be honest with you because i feel like that would be a 
pretty comparable trade, but this thing is like you don't I don't know necessarily what the the laws are as far as like you know vaccine mandates out. But given they're both their situations, you would rather I think anybody would rather have Damian Lillard. Well, right now, yeah, yeah, Kyrie Irving. But but as far as play, you know, uh, Kyrie's coming off a 50, 40, 90 season, which is crazy, and he's even he even is seemingly looking more athletic because he was like having like a lot more uh, bouncing his step last season too. But, you know, just to go back to Ben Simmons, I think, you know, whatever team ends up going to, uh, he needs to realize that he might be in a situation where this might be like do or die, bro. As far as your, uh, your, you being in the NBA, because like you, you already have like your value as an all time low, lowest it's ever been. If he can build that back up again, and look, another thing to even mention, have you seen Giannis in the preseason? This dude Giannis is pulling up from deep now, hitting step backs over here, crossing well, dudes up, trouble. turnaround jumpers. I'm like, bro, Giannis got in his back. Giannis went and decided to over here become KD. Almost. I'm like, bro, whoa, what whoa, is Giannis whoa, doing? Whoa, 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 no, whoa, I'm not whoa, saying whoa. he's KD. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not saying he's KD, but I'm saying like, yo, he he's definitely trying to do copy and paste on some of KD's game. Because no, I'm like, yeah, yo, for sure. this dude's trying to you know over here do a lot of Kevin Durant type stuff. It's not. It's still you know still a work in progress. But I'm like, the fact that he's gotten gone gone from where he started to where he is now and continue to try to get better that 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 that's something that ben simmons should be looking at and trying to be like okay i need to improve but I it all goes back to the motivation like i was talking yeah. about he just has none of that in him um exactly and some guys don't some guys don't have that i think ben simmons is also very uh you know, content where he's at right now, especially with the contract he just signed. He just signed a five-year, $177 million deal. So he knows, like, he's secured. Whether he gets traded, he's going to get the money there. Whether he gets bought out, which he wouldn't get bought out within his first, I think, what, was, what is it, his first or second? I think it's a second year in this new contract. Even if he gets bought out, he's still probably getting $100 million of that 177 So he's chilling wherever like whatever his situation is, which is why I think he's so nonchalant about this situation. He's just like, dude, I'm, I'm over it. Like, let's, mm-hmm. let's just move on from this whole situation. But I mean, only time will tell to see how things work out with Ben Simmons and the Philadelphia Phil art. I almost said Philadelphia, <laughs> Philadelphia 76ers. We're in baseball postseason right now. So that's why, but the 76ers. All right, let's move on to wrap up this episode. Since we're talking about Kyrie and Ben Simmons, that's been all the talk of the town for the NBA preseason. We got a couple teams that are flying under the radar that we think could make noise this upcoming season that nobody's really talking about. So, Corey, what is your underrated team coming into this season? I definitely got to say I'm excited to see the Chicago Bulls this season, man. Alex Caruso, Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic. I'm like, this team on paper and what I've seen them do in the preseason is looking very, very fun. I'm not saying that they're going to be the best team in the East. I'm not saying that they're going to, you know, be out here dominating. But when you watch the Bulls play, at least from what I've seen the preseason, they are fun to watch, bro. Lobs for days. Reminds me of like... They're, they're, they're almost like a, a guard, a heavy, like guard forward version of Lob City. 
Like they got so many guys who can get up and be athletic and get up and down the floor. Even Caruso has been getting up and he still got that bounce in his step. And especially after the contract he got this offseason, you best believe that Caruso is trying to be out here making noise. And they still got a lot of depth uh, as well. When you look at, you know, the draft pick that they picked up and you look at uh, some of the guys off their bench as well. I just think that the Bulls are going to be the most exciting team to watch this season. And regardless if they, you know, like I said, have a great season and, you know, uh, go and do what the Atlanta Hawks did uh, a year ago and, and, and make it to a conference conference finals, or they just, you know, settle for making the playoffs, or even if they don't make the playoffs, I think they're going to be a really fun team to watch. And I'm very excited to definitely see the Bulls this year. And they have a great head coach too in Billy Donovan. So it will be fun to watch the Bulls. They were one of my teams for underrated, but I'm going to go with the Charlotte Hornets. I think their five-year playoff drought is going to come to an end. They had a little bit of a taste of the playoffs uh, in the playing tournament last year, but many forget before LaMelo had that wrist surgery uh, last season and got injured, the Hornets were a top four team in the Eastern Conference at the time and Mm -hmm. record-wise, but and th- but they've lost some key players like Devontae Graham, Malik Monk, Cody Zeller, but they also picked up some solid players too, like Kelly Oubre, Mason Plumley, and they're two rookies who I have uh, high hopes uh, in, in James Booknight and Kai Jones. So I think their guard tandem of LaMelo Ball and scary Terry Rogier is so underrated. Uh, Terry Rogier coming off in a career year last year in uh, both points and efficiency wise too. And LaMelo, he kind of didn't play well when he came back those three games after uh, coming back from his wrist injury, but watching him in the preseason, he's looking like he's, rookie LaMelo and he's taking trying to take another step being a little more explosive athletic and he's just a fun guy to watch and then you look at their forward rotation with Gordon Hayward PJ Washington Miles Bridges uh and then now you add Kelly Oubre they're very versatile on both ends of the floor and honestly it'll allow the Hornets to play a lot more small ball lineup where because we saw a lot last year where they were putting PJ Washington at the center position and you guys have the other guys that can stretch the floor that can run down the court. I'm pretty sure if they have PJ Washington at the center and those other guys, they will outrun any team in the NBA. Uh, and it, it's just insane. And then Mason Plumley, I just want to talk about him a little bit. I think he is an underrated center mm. and that I feel like he hasn't gotten any attention ever since he left Portland for that mm. use of Nurkic trade Plumley, He's a solid center. And especially since he was in Detroit last year, he got no love, but he had a triple-double last year. You would never expect Mason Plumlee to have a triple-double last year, and he was he almost had multiple triple-doubles last year. And defensively is my only concern with Mason Plumley, but I think with this year being on the Charlotte Hornets, a possible playoff team, he's going to have a little more motivation, and maybe he'll step it up. But I think that the, the uh, Hornets are possibly, I think, as low as – a high seeded playing team, but I think they can finish in that five, four possible range. Uh, yeah, this, there's a lot of teams that can season. finish there. There's a lot of teams that can finish there, not to cut you off, but there's a lot of teams like the Bulls, the Hornets, the Knicks. Uh, I love a lot what I'm teams. seeing from the East, man. The East yeah. is fine. The East was always very top heavy, and the oh, West yeah. was always, you know, pretty, oh, pretty yeah. heavy one through eight, one through nine, one through 10. You could even see, but I think the East is finally starting to come into fruition and they're finally going to make some noise. Uh, Only thing I'll say about the Hornets is as long as they don't, you know, run into the Dallas Mavericks, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll have a really good season because, yo, yeah. 
what was they it, got 68? dropped off like 68 points yeah, 68 points yo 68 point loss and i think they only had like 50 something points yeah. uh that's that's insane i'm like even though it's preseason it is just preseason but dog like that's insane yeah it, it was it was pretty brutal for the hornets but i think this upcoming season if they can stay healthy if gordon hayward can stay healthy because he missed 24 games last year too so he hasn't always been healthy ever since his big injury in boston but i think if the team can stay healthy i think they can be a very cohesive unit and they can make some noise in the eastern conference this year i agree that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the nosebleeds make sure you guys are following us on our social media on twitter at the underscore nosebleeds that's k-n-o-w-s bleeds on instagram the nosebleeds and on facebook look up the nosebleeds podcast uh apple Podcasts, spotify we're on those make sure if you guys like what you heard shoot us that five star rating write us a review if you're feeling generous uh next week we're gonna be coming out with our preseason nba predictions for the whole season and our playoff predictions so stay tuned for that because that's gonna be a fun one and probably a long one as well too so <laughs> Corey, any last words i'm so excited for the nba to be back um really excited to see what happens uh this week in the nfl obviously make sure you guys pay attention to the game of the week make sure you guys get your votes on on that vikings versus panthers who's taking that dub and really excited to see you know can the dodgers go back to back will they get their revenge against you know potentially the astros or the red sox or will either of those al teams win it or will the braves rock everybody and take it home it's going to be very fun to witness it's going to be very fun to see but you guys already know kush and Corey, back at it baby we here on the nose please podcast make sure y'all keep listening make sure y'all keep tuning in and we'll see y'all later we'll catch y'all next time deuces